variable finance plays such a large role in all of our financial decisions. If it is investing, if it is trading, if it is, you know, even choosing your favorite ETF. Have you ever wondered about how we make decisions about our money? Or why we feel the way we do about those decisions? Welcome to Nudging Financial Behavior, the podcast that aims to help you understand how and why you make certain decisions about money. Presented by Dr. Giselle Willows, an expert in behavioral finance. This podcast is all about looking at human behavior and biases, especially when it comes to your finances. You can catch the series on YouTube, the Nudging Financial Behavior blog, or on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to like and subscribe to ensure you don't miss an episode. Special thanks to our sponsor, IG Market South Africa, a world-leading online trading provider that gives you access to opportunities across thousands of financial markets through their intuitive platforms and apps. Let's get started. Welcome to episode one of Nudging Financial Behavior. I'm Dr. Giselle Willows. Thank you for tuning in. So, why this podcast? Well, two reasons. First, we want to help you understand that every single one of us is impacted by internal and external biases when it comes to decision making. Most of the time, we're barely even aware that these biases are pushing us to make decisions that aren't entirely rational. While this isn't always a bad thing, it's not always a good thing either, especially when it comes to financial decisions. Secondly, we want to help you identify these biases in your own life and give you tools to figure out if those biases are causing you to make bad decisions about your money. If so, hopefully we can help you change that. Let's start with who I am and why you should listen to me. I started my finance journey as a chartered accountant. After working for a few years in audit, I decided to head back to my studies, getting first my master's in finance and then my PhD, specializing in behavioral finance. I'm now a professor at the University of Cape Town and I run my own company called you guessed it, nudging financial behavior. The company aims to help the financial services industry understand and manage behavioral biases. And that's why we thought it was about time we added a podcast to our list of services. It sounds like a lot, I know, but all it really means is that I now spend a lot of my time studying how and why people make the decisions they do when it comes to their finances. It's really quite fascinating and amazing how, with just an awareness of your behavior, you can shift into making far more positive and rational decisions about your money. I first discovered behavioral finance when I was doing my master's. In the particular module that covered the subject matter, something just clicked for me. It's partly the technical side of finance, market movements, etc., and it's partly psychology and understanding how people think about money. I should probably let you know at this point that I'm also a trained actress and singer. You might be able to catch me performing on some stages in Cape Town, but I'm telling you this because it explains why I find behavioral finance so interesting. Acting and psychology are so similar. You need to listen and observe people. You need to get into their psyche to understand their motivation for actions. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get onto the real reason we're all here, to learn about the things that impact how we make decisions about our money and to figure out how we can change some of our financial behavior that's less than ideal. Oh, and since this is a whole series, I should probably tell you to hit the subscribe button so you get notifications about new episodes when they come out. 
And now it's time to jump into the real information. In order to figure out how we can change some of our financial behavior, I want to first give you a bit more insight into what behavioral finance actually is. I've already mentioned that it's sort of a marriage between technical finance and psychology. This field of study started in the 1980s. It was founded by two psychologists, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, and the economist Robert J. Schiller. Their early experiments monitored people and the decisions they made about their money. The researchers would identify the irrational decisions their participants made, tell them they were making less than optimal decisions, and then explain why. But the participants went on making the same irrational decisions again and again. The conclusion that these three researchers came to was that it wasn't the markets that were responsible for all the fluctuation, but the irrational behavior of the people investing in the markets that were partly to blame. In fact, rather largely to blame. People being risk-averse and making emotional decisions are what cause rapid changes in the markets. Even the most rational or logical person has a limit to their self-control. There always comes a point when assumptions, personal perceptions and emotions start to play a bigger and bigger role in decision-making. This is why there is consistently a difference between the actual performance of the market and what an investor earns. An American study showed that in the 20-year period between 2000 and 2019, equity investors earned an average of 4.25%. But the S&P 500, a stock market index in the US, gave a return of 6.06%. If these investors were making decisions based on purely the facts, they should have been closer to that 6%, not almost 2% lower. While we're talking numbers, one of the things I found when I started my studies in finance was that it's quite technical, especially pertaining to market movements. With behavioral finance, though, there is a lot more focus on the human aspect of investing and trading. It also focuses on the asset management side of things. But for me, looking at personal finance and how it relates to this field of research is a lot more interesting and a lot more helpful to you watching or listening to this podcast. It's about using the information that comes from studying behavioral finance and applying it to individuals and the way they make decisions about money. And I'm not just talking about investing in the market. I'm talking about all financial decisions that you make. This includes your retirement plan, saving for big ticket items like a new car or house or a holiday, paying your bills on time, and even just your everyday spending habits. So I've mentioned the term biases briefly. Behavioral biases are going to be a big part of what we cover in this podcast. The more you know about them, the more you'll be able to spot them at play when you make decisions. Now, remember, allowing biases to influence your decision-making doesn't mean that you're weak-minded or not in control of your own mind. It's completely natural and only human to be influenced by your biases. What I want to help you with is understanding what those biases might be in your life and how to recognize them when you're making important decisions. Or we're getting to know each other here in episode one of Nudging Financial Behavior, let's go through a quick rundown of the main biases you've likely encountered. I promise there'll be a lot more information coming in future episodes where we really drill down into each of these biases, but let me whet your appetite quickly. Let's start with the emotional biases. These include overconfidence and confirmation bias. The first one is easy. When you're overconfident, you tend to think you know more than you actually do, and your decisions can go very badly if you don't generally know enough. Overconfidence has been blamed for a number of disasters, ranging from the dot-com bubble bursting in the 1990s to the subprime lending crisis that ended disastrously in 2008. 
Even the First World War and the war in Iraq have been blamed by historians and political scientists to be as a result of overconfidence. Confirmation bias is when we have an idea or opinion about something and then we look for information that confirms what we already believe. Just look at how you Google a topic. If you've heard good things about Bitcoin and want to start investing in it, you'll use the search term, is Bitcoin a good investment? On the other hand, if you've heard bad stories, you'll more likely search, is Bitcoin a bad investment? You've already stated what you believe and are looking for confirmation of that belief. Another big bias is that of framing. The framing effect, in a way, is very similar to confirmation bias, but it's more about how information is framed for you. It's possible to be provided with exactly the same information, but the wording used makes you see the information differently. If the same choice is framed as a loss rather than as a gain, you'll likely make a different decision. The last one I want to mention is the anchoring bias. An anchor can be something related to what you're making a decision about, or it could be completely arbitrary. When you're given a number as an anchor point and then asked to provide a value for something, anything, a house or a cup of coffee, that anchoring number will influence the value you assign. For example, if an estate agent is asked to value a property and is told what the house is listed at, that asking price will impact the valuation the expert gives. Even if the asking price is wildly inappropriate for the market, the property and the neighborhood. This was a bit of a teaser. We're going to discuss each of these biases that I've just mentioned in more detail later in the season. And I'm going to share some examples you can relate to and speak to different experts where I can. But even with these brief examples, I'm hoping you can see how biases are so deeply rooted in the way we think and make decisions. And that's why it's so important to be able to recognize them and acknowledge them in your decision making. This is why we're doing this podcast, to help you. And you'll learn a lot of things along the way. Things that aren't very widely known. Let me prove that to you. My team and I hit the streets and asked the public what they know about behavioral biases. Do you know what behavioral biases are? No, I can guess, yeah. but no, I don't know. Well, I know what behavior is, of course, but I don't know about the word bias. I think I've got an idea what behavioral biases are. What do you think behavioral biases are, if you had to guess from the name? Something that depends on the, maybe what you're doing at the time will bias you towards certain things. I don't know. So behavioral biases, I understand them, are patterns or tendencies of, you know, certain actions or conduct or behaviors or, you know, inclinations that we as human beings tend to have consciously or unconsciously towards certain stimuli or situations. Uh, I, my definition of it might be a bit choppy, but I'm, okay, so it's the uh, biases that, uh, actually, no, I don't, I don't know if I can give an accurate definition for behavioral bias. No. <laughs> Do you know what it means to be overconfident? Oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> tough to explain these things like you, you use these words every single day but it's very tough to explain it gosh i do know what it means but i don't know how to explain it <laughs> i know what it looks like you can never fail um and you feel that way and uh, everything just keeps going your way thinking you could eat a eat a, a whole platter and then realizing you actually can't <laughs> 
What do you think confirmation bias means? Mm, nope. Nope, don't know that. Well, <laughs> breaking it down, what is to confirm something? Um, it means to like um, put in the right amount of research. So if I am doing a study and I am only conducting interviews with people that I think will answer the study in the way that I want them to, then I have confirmation bias in my study. What is framing? Like as a committed crime, but then you frame, uh, frame, so, uh, frame somebody so that they look like they, uh, they committed the crime, but you did? You were like that framing? Because <laughs> to frame something is to kind of like highlight something, right? So what is it like? Highlighting the good parts or something? I don't know. <laughs> framing. I think framing could refer to particular ways that we choose to construe something or different lenses or prisms that we choose to analyze or look at a particular situation. Um, yeah, how we kind of frame or figure it out or make sense of something. What is anchoring or what do anchors do? No idea. Not a clue. Hmm. Questions get more and more difficult. I would almost think that anchoring would be, I don't know, gearing or, or focusing on sp a specific core concept or behavioral bias and kind of building a brand off of that. I would say that anchoring is probably grounding of some sort in the sense that you would get information that would be your baseline, I would think. I don't know. <laughs> you like trick questions. <laughs> so you see, a lot of us might think we know what something means and possibly even do to some degree. But the thing is, if we don't have a much firmer handle on what behavioral biases are in these definitions, it's very hard to tell how they're impacting our ability to make decisions. This is exactly why I'm here doing this podcast. When you do the work to become more aware of behavioral biases, you'll quickly realize how your decision-making will become more rational. And when you apply more rational decision-making to your finances, well, you'll end up saving more and earning more through better investment decisions. Doesn't that sound nice? Look, I'm not saying it's a superpower. We're still human. We'll still be influenced by our emotions, but the awareness is powerful. That's just about it for our very first episode of Nudging Financial Behaviour with me, Dr. Giselle Willows. But before wrapping it up, I thought I'd take a moment to chat to Rob van Aden, CEO of IG Market South Africa, who is the sponsor for this show. Rob, welcome as the very first guest of this podcast. Thank you very much, Giselle. Tell us a little bit about IG and why you believe this podcast is a good idea. So IG has been around for about 49 years. It started in 1974. Um, the gold standard actually came to an end in 1974 and the person that started IG felt that there was a market to trade gold. It's also quite interesting, back in 1974, IG started as a trading company trading gold, but it was also involved with sports betting, which uh, the business stopped about 11 years ago. IG Markets is in 19 countries at the moment. It's got about 300,000 clients. 
Um, it offers a wide array of products starting with shares globally. And then it offers smart beta ETFs as well, which are underwritten by um, BlackRock. And then in South Africa, we only offer leveraged products. So we're not offering shares. We will be offering shares potentially later on in a couple of years. But we offer CFDs and um, CFDs on local shares and then on international shares. The reason why we're so keen to um, sponsor this podcast is, uh, is largely due to the fact that behavioral economics or behavioral finance plays such a large role in all of our financial decisions. If it is investing, if it is trading, if it is, you know, even choosing your favorite ETF. And we felt it was quite important as a business to um, educate the markets through this podcast um, in terms of what are the behavioral biases that impact you when you trade or invest or even think about simple things, you know, purchasing A versus purchasing B or getting caught up in the euphoria of uh, sales, you know, the annual sales, the monthly sales, the seasonal sales. Well, we're very grateful that you wanted to sponsor this podcast. So why do you think then that an awareness of emotions and behavioral biases, how do you think that might benefit traders and investors? So this is a known fact. So um, as a, a London-based um, company, we need to indicate how many of our traders fail or how many of them lose. So globally, if you look at leveraged products, it's about 76% to 80% of traders lose money. And the biggest culprit is not that they're getting the direction wrong. It's basically they're getting their emotions wrong in terms of managing their positions. There was a good research paper that was published, I think, in 2008 by um by FX, by daily FX, where they analyze the number of people get about 60% of the direction is called correctly. So you would, have, you would assume if people are calling the direction correctly, why are they losing money? And it's the emotions that are coming in. And the big three in the world of trading is fear, hope and greed. Those are the three. Absolutely. And then last question. A little birdie told me about a book that's coming out soon called Badass Trader. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes. So the book is, um, it started off as, uh, I've been publishing for the last four years principles on LinkedIn trading principles, which have been focusing a lot on the behavioral side, not on, you know, systems and methods and on the behavioral, and I've had a lot of requests over the last couple of years to, you know, people, where can they find the principles? And my, my standard answer has been in LinkedIn. You just go to my profile and then you'll, at the moment, there are about 197 principles. You'll find them. The answer has never been good enough for people. So I thought about it and um, I thought about writing a book of just putting in the principles and then, um, Someone mentioned it to me, you just can't put in the principles, you need to contextualize the principles. So the book is in two parts. The first part of the book is looking at, at four topics. So the first topic would be what are the undeniable um, truths of trading? Then I go into using checklists. Then I go looking in terms of looking at systems. And then I also I spend quite a lot of time 
on, I know this is one of your favorites in terms of managing FOMO. Once I've rounded that off, then I published 104 principles in the book. And then a thing that I was quite reluctant to, to publish was basically a how-to chapter. Uh, but the, the publishers convinced me to do a how-to chapter where I do an example on Apple shares and I break it down in terms of managing your risk, managing your emotions, etc. So I'm quite excited about the book. Um, it'll be out in July. And um, yeah, I an intention of the book is to, to show people that trading can be successful, but you need to follow a couple of well-found principles and also to debunk this thing that trading is easy. Trading is probably the hardest, hardest, easiest thing you can do. Definitely. And thank you for addressing FOMO in the book. That is definitely something we're going to talk about at some point in this podcast for sure. I look forward to the read. Thank you. It was great to have a word from our sponsor in our very first episode. Hopefully the first of many. So thanks for watching or listening all the way to the end of episode one. If you liked this episode, please click the like button. And did you notice I said watching or listening? That's because this podcast is available in both video and audio. If you're listening to the podcast, know that you can catch the video on our YouTube channel. You'll find the link in the description. And if you're watching me right now, likewise, you don't have to watch me. You can opt to rather just listen on whichever podcast platform you subscribe to. Finally, there'll also be a written blog post on our website for each episode, if you prefer reading. So, various ways to take in the information. Pick the one that suits you best, and please feel free to share it with others. And tell them to subscribe so they don't miss out. I hope you're ready to delve into your biases and learn how to recognize them when you're making decisions about your finances. But before we jump into that, in the next few episodes, we'll first be discussing some behavioral pitfalls that get us into financial trouble. First up, we're going to discuss financial literacy and some of the basic financial terms you need to have under your belt. We're focusing an entire episode to that. Then we'll discuss some other pitfalls, things that aren't always what we want to hear, but if we can understand how and why things can go wrong so easily with our finances, it makes it easier for us to isolate the emotion from the decision-making. I firmly believe that it's important to understand each of these pitfalls before we start talking about our biases. So we need to cover some groundwork first. Then we'll unpack the biases one by one. It's going to get interesting, so I hope you'll subscribe to our channel and stick around. I'd also love to hear from you, so feel free to comment below with questions or thoughts about what we've discussed. I'm Dr. Giselle Willows. This is the Nudging Financial Behavior Podcast. We'll chat again in the next episode. That was Nudging Financial Behavior, hosted by behavioral finance expert, Dr. Giselle Willows. Make sure you like and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. You can catch the Nudging Financial Behavior Podcast on YouTube, our blog, or your favorite podcast streaming platform. Thank you again to our sponsors, IG Market South Africa, for helping to bring the show to life. And now for the disclaimer. This podcast should not be seen as advice. All the information and opinions are of a general nature. They are not intended to address the needs or circumstances of any individual. We are not financial advisors, neither are any of our staff or service providers nor is our sponsor. All expressions of opinion by the host or guest 
are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. Any information you get from us should be seen as only that. Information only.